Hello, welcome to the Asian Dating Podcast. Today, I have twice awarded best matchmaker, Jillian McCallum is the CEO of a number of extraordinary life-changing companies. The one we're going to talk about today is Drawing Down the Moon. It is a London's premier matchmaking agency established in 1984, multi-award-winning DDM has introduced tens of thousands of eligible Londoners, creating long-term relationships, engagements, marriages, and children. So welcome to the show, Jillian. How are you? Thank you so much, May. I'm doing really well, and thank you for such a lovely introduction. <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about dating, of course. And I know there are differences between dating in the UK versus dating in the US. And I know off camera, we've talked a little bit about these things, but on camera, I wanted to touch today on uh, body image and body shapes and all that. Is that even important in the UK? Like how do men and women react to dating people of all sizes? It, it's such an interesting question, mate. And it's one that of course becomes perhaps trickier now that we're in a woke era what can you say? What can you not say? Can you talk about what you believe to be the truth? Uh, or can you talk about what you know you're supposed to say? Now, there are some tricky things around weight. First of all, one of the things is that very rarely have I ever had someone who wants to pick someone who's larger. However, the person that did ask me last for a larger lady, and he said he was looking for someone a minimum of a size 18 UK. Um, I'm trying to work out what that would be, but you've got a, you've got some fabulous plus size models in America. Uh, Ashley Graham's one of them. And he actually showed me a picture of Ashley Graham and said, if they're smaller than this lady, I'm not going to be interested in dating them. Now, this uh, was a, or is a billionaire. Uh, he can literally date absolutely anybody. And he came to me because he knew I would have an interesting selection of educated women who would be interested in him, for him, not for all of the extras. Uh, so what was really interesting to me was he wanted a larger lady. He was a relatively slim, uh, well-built guy himself. And one of the things that I found interesting was my feeling was that because he was so established, because he uh, had built himself up in such a significant way, uh, he didn't have to worry about what his friends thought. He didn't have to worry about uh, what his parents might think of his choice or what society who's taught us to perhaps have a fat phobia um, might think of his choice of partner. He was free to make a decision knowing that his friends weren't going to criticize what it was that he was looking for. And so it got me thinking, you know, is it because uh, we maybe fear what others might think of us or is it just a natural preference for someone slimmer? One of the things that I always talk about is don't go on a diet in order to date because if you go on a diet in order to date and you say okay I'm not doing this till I've lost 30 pounds I'm not doing this till I've lost 40 pounds well first of all you'll never date because you're going to spend the next five years trying to get there then you'll put some more on then you'll lose some and of course if you meet a partner when you're 30 pounds down you now have to spend the next 40 years 30 pounds down from where your body naturally wants you to be which of course is not something that I would encourage. Do you know uh, single people <laughs> who do break up with their partners and then now they are taking care of themselves they're exercising they're going on hikes they're eating better so now they look great right they've slimmed down maybe 20 30 40 or 50 pounds but then as they're in a relationship they're comfortable and then now they're 
gaining the weight back. Do you have experience with couples like that or know of any friends or family that's done that? I mean, that's definitely true. And, and the one that's most obvious is when there's a partnership where over time someone gains weight, they don't look after themselves so much, they're not doing their hobbies, they're not doing their sports, they're getting complacent in the relationship. They're usually also not putting their partner first by that stage because if they stop taking care of themselves, why are they going to be taking care of their partner? And so what ultimately happens is after a bit of cajoling, a bit of encouraging, uh, and the partner still refuses to do all of those wonderful, engaging, interesting things they did before they get into a relationship, what ultimately happens is they end up splitting up. Oh, suddenly, hey, presto, the gym is their friend, hiking's their friend, they're picking up their hobbies again, uh, all in the hopes of either getting their old partner back or finding a new one. And so I suppose there's a sense of um, you've got to get into a relationship, but then stay in a relationship with that same degree of enthusiasm and care for yourself and your body. And of course, I know just how much you take care of your body. We talk about this a lot, the fact that you put a significant amount into, you know, taking care of yourself, looking after your body, making sure it's going to be fit, healthy and agile in 50, 60 years time. Uh, and you can probably, you've probably talked about that at length on these podcasts when people have asked you. Um, and I'm sure you've probably got, maybe even got some advice on your website. If you don't put it on there, because I'm telling you, people could really learn from the way that you live your life. But you're absolutely right. People do get complacent. And so you have to decide what it is that you want going into a relationship. But one of the, one of the other things that we're talking about really when it comes to weight, and again, last time we talked about females who were heavier and your male clients not being interested, but we don't also get women who necessarily are asking for larger men. Like I, I can't remember the last time said, you know, I want a really large man. Although um, I should correct myself slightly there. Uh, of course, my company Drawing Down the Moon is 40 years old. And one of the old managers, Andy, who still works for the company many, many years on, says he was asked not once, but twice uh, by females who came to Drawing Down the Moon for a man who resembles the fat controller. Do you have the fat controller in America? What is that? What is fat controller? So we have a children's TV program called Thomas the Tank Engine. And there was a man who was probably not now called the fat controller. And he was a rather large, uh, rounded man with a rounded face. And uh, two women asked to date someone who resembled the fat controller. Well, I do get women who are maybe big boned or they're a um, little bit, you know, taller and they want a guy that's like a football shape you know like uh muscular so then she feels safe so she doesn't feel like she's the big one in the relationship like an amazon woman or anything so i could see that happening where women are like big boned or they're curvy and they just want a guy who resembles a football player shape so i i do get that every now and then um, but mainly they just want someone who's active and healthy. And I think for you to find a partner that has the same lifestyle, that helps, right? Because you both keep in shape, you both try to work out. But what happens if you're in a relationship with somebody, they don't believe in working out, running or hiking and any of that stuff, but they're just naturally thin. So how do you handle that in a relationship? Well, if what you're talking about is different interests, then I am all for that. And when I'm introducing my clients, 
I'm not looking for people who both like tennis, both like football, both like golf. I want people with unique, different interests because it's only when you're able to go apart and do your own things and then come back, that you're actually able to have that rich and fulfilled relationship. You don't want someone identical to you. And I spend a lot of time explaining to my clients, well, that's a fabulous list that you've just given me. That's great that you've given me this huge list of checkpoints. And I say to them, do you know who you've just described? No, what you just described yourself. Yeah. And that's the thing, who wants to date themselves? And they might go into saying, I want them to be successful and powerful and earning this much and doing this thing and having these hobbies and living their life like this and going here and going there. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what you do though. Gosh, and people haven't reflected on that. And that is why, as you know, I talk about love is not a list. That's one of the important reasons. But what you want is someone who does different things to you. And harking back to our conversation a moment ago about size, weight, what you have to remember is that every criteria that you're adding in is reducing your chances of finding love. And so, for instance, one of the things I say to my female clients is, okay, when you're going to go on that date, I want you to make sure that you've spent some time on your appearance, that you've got some makeup on, that you've styled your hair nicely. And when I hear women say to me, well, I, I don't want the kind of man who would expect me to wear makeup. I don't want the kind of man who would expect me to have my hair styled. So what you've done is you've gone from a group of men that you might date. Well, they have to be within 10 years. Okay. They have to earn above a certain amount because that's what I earn. Oh, okay. They have to live within a certain number of miles of where I am. Oh, okay. Oh, they have to be over six foot. Oh, okay. Now they have to be from this little section we've got here, the kind of man that actually does not care whether the woman wears makeup or not. So you've gone, you've got this group here that's got the guys who do care about makeup. You've got this group here about the guys that don't care about makeup, but you're going to slim this group down again, down to here. And so everything you add in, whether you're adding a criteria of things that you want from them in terms of job or their hobbies, you're now also adding in what they're looking for in you. This is getting to the point where I'm wondering, is anyone ever going to meet anyone if it isn't for the guidance of a matchmaker telling you where you're going wrong and making you change? How is anyone meeting anyone? How is it possible that people are getting into a relationship? I, I have no idea. I like how the fact that you just put your hands out for the people who are just listening to us on a podcast and not on the YouTube channel you put your hand out and for every criteria someone asks for, your hands are shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And the next thing you know, there's like this tiny sliver of people who are even qualified to meet you, let alone if you will even like them or if they'll like you, right? So yeah, that's, that's a good point, uh, Jillian, when you just said that, like hobbies are great to have some overlapping hobbies, but you don't need to have an identical person that likes exactly what you like. Otherwise, you're just boring, right? Because you can't hold a conversation about something similar to what they like. So it's okay that you're a runner. He's not a runner. But you guys are both active and you guys can go do things that are similar to that. It doesn't have to be the same exact hobby or interest that you like. If you both like reading... That's great. You know, one person reads books, one person listens to books, or one person likes to rent books from the library and one person likes to read online. At least you are both, you know, aware of things and have knowledge and can talk about stuff. So yeah, I, uh, I agree. What else do you find that people are really narrowing down who they're looking for 
unnecessarily. So many things. And, and what you have to remember, and you were right, when I was getting, my hands were wide and they were getting smaller and smaller and smaller, but they were almost touching. And you have to remember, when my fingers, my thumb and my finger are almost touching at the side here, you've got to remember what you're then going to apply to this fabulous equation is the things that that person's looking for. And everyone forgets that. You know, they've got this fantastic list of what they want. This other person also has their own listing criteria. And if theirs are as extensive as yours, what hope have you got of this happening? Get rid of the list, get rid of the criteria, stop putting barriers in the way of you finding love and happiness. If you really want this, if you really want love and happiness, you shouldn't have this list. Don't make it harder for yourself than you should be. Uh, don't go on a diet, we talked about that because you know it's gonna take you five years to lose it, then you're gonna to have to carry on doing it for the next 20 years. There are always gonna be people who want to date you for exactly how you are. But here's the proviso, a little kind of asterisk in the corner. The more effort and energy you put into yourself, the more likely you are to open up the number of people that are potentially the right partner for you. You don't want to be slimming that list down. If you don't have any hobbies, if you don't have any interests, if you don't have any long-term friendships, if you don't, if you're not doing things to educate yourself, if you're not doing things to keep your life interesting and engaging it doesn't have to be exciting i love tapestry i think i think doing tapestries buying tapestries looking at tapestries no man on the planet wants to date a woman who's interesting in tapestry but fires my imagination up it makes me interested in life it gives me a passion and that's the thing it doesn't have to be something interesting you know my brother has a huge passion for uh vintage automobiles and there's a specific mark that he loves it's very very niche his wife knows nothing about cars she knows nothing about vintage cars or classic cars and that's not what's important what's important is that he has a passion she has her passions and they're able to pursue them it makes you a more interesting person when you have things that you are engaged in excited about that challenge you and interest you so rather than sitting there saying well what is someone else going to do for me what am i going to get from someone else You've got to think, what is my matchmaking CV? What is my dating CV? What does my dating CV look like? What am I presenting as my credentials to get me into a relationship? And if people spent more time focused on their dating CV and less time writing lists of all of this stuff that these people, all of these hoops that people have to jump through, they'd be far more likely to find love and they'd be far more likely to be in a happy, fulfilling, rich relationship. So what are some things that you find in your clients that build up their matchmaking CV or matchmaking resume? Like, what are some things that you find that, wow, this is really cool that this person is interested in this? Like, what are some unique things out there that you've come across that makes them special? So. When you're talking about what makes someone special, I think a lot of it is, especially, of course, as you, you know, you and I both deal with um, some of the world's most successful people. And so when you have a significant amount of money and you're single and you're looking to date, when you don't lead with your money, that is so important and so key. So I have uh, billionaires who like camping, they like hiking, they're happy to stay in a youth hostel, they're happy to live a simple life, 
as well as a luxury life. They don't have this sense that a lot of uh, people who don't have money or want to make money or people who believe in this kind of like the side hustle world or the kind of we're going to we're going to make all of this cash and cash is what's most important. You know, they're not carrying the designer handbags. They're not wearing the labels. They're living a simpler life. And the great thing about that is they're they're instead of saying, hey, look at the cash that I've got. I'm a great person to date. What they're saying is, you know, I'm an interesting person. I have more to me than my money. In fact, the least interesting thing about me is the money that I've made in life. And when you've got someone like that who's managed to get it right in terms of what we might view as success in the world that we live in right now, but they actually have the other thing that is real success. And that is knowing the importance of friendships, understanding the importance of self-development and self-understanding, and not feeling that now they've got to a certain status or a certain level that they deserve better or they deserve more. James Corden, perfect example of the bad behavior when someone gets power, when someone gets money. Uh, we're not talking about a single guy, you know, not right now. But if you think about his behavior, what we hear about in restaurants, the way he treats servers in America, it's down to the fact that he's reached a certain status and believes He's a certain type of person. Now, we know that probably comes purely from insecurity. That's that's nothing more than insecurity. It's not about, don't you know who I am, really is uh, from a position of insecurity. Whereas if you're very secure in yourself and, and you know who, who you are and you're an interesting, well-rounded person, then it's far less likely that you're ever going to find yourself in that situation and you're more likely to find love. And we hear lots of kind of nonsense about, oh, I'm worried about finding a gold digger. Or I'm worried they're gonna be after their money. And sure, that might happen. And again, that's another reason that you and I are chosen because we can filter any of that out. Um, but if you're leading with your money, if you're turning up with your Patek Philippe uh, or worse, some kind of huge blingy ring, bringing a watch, Patek Philippe's a little bit discreet. Sometimes people don't notice that one. Or you're turning up with the, I mean, I, one client, I said to him, I need you to not lead with your money. This is what he was doing, leading with the money. Well, he turns up with the 24 red roses. Uh, he arrived at the table and said, I brought you roses, but my chauffeur's keeping in them in the car and we're going to give them to you when we leave the restaurant. And, I, and I'd said to him before the date, don't lead with your money. Well, the chauffeur keeping the roses is like the opening line. Uh, the lady said, I'm sorry, he's, he's just not what I'm looking for, but thank you so much. And... I genuinely believe that if he'd gone in there, rocked the cash and had a really nice evening with this lady, there would have been a very strong chance of a second date because this woman wasn't looking for a man for the money. This woman was looking for love. And uh, that's what our clients come to us for. So yeah, drop the cash, but don't drop it in front of your date. That's very interesting where some men do do that. I've had some successful clients and he purposely bought a Prius to go on dates because he didn't want <laughs> women to know how much money he had. But but I also tell the women like, hey, this guy is successful. He's financially stable. His business is doing well. He has a great home, like all the necessary stuff to let her know that he's financially stable. It's only a problem when the woman digs and says, what kind of car do you drive? You know, where do you live? How many bedrooms do you have? Like, all that stuff that men can tell that she's a gold digger if she says and asks those things or maybe materialistic stuff is more important to her. So 
there are definitely ways of vetting a man to make sure he's successful, A, by working with a matchmaker, because a not successful guy is not going to sign up with a matchmaker, right? I mean, let's face it, you know, matchmaking is kind of a luxury and it is kind of uh, not necessary, but it's great for people who value their time more than money. And it's just like writing a check to get a shortcut into dating, right? Like that's basically what they're doing. And does it take a lot of time for matchmakers to find them a nice match? Yes, it does. Absolutely. Um, but with that, I wanted to ask you, so what, so a man um, you work with, the male clients that you work with who are successful, do you tell them to lead with what their sense of humor then to lead with like stories? Like, do you tell your male clients that, Hey, being a good storyteller is actually very attractive. Um, having a sense of humor is very attractive. Like, do they have to like prepare jokes in their back pocket to charm the woman? Or what, what do you mean by um, those things, having a sense of humor and uh, storytelling, if that's important to your clients? Well, you know, I bet that you've got the same issues in LA that we have in the UK, which is that you have great eligible guys, going on these introductions and what they do is they spend the entire evening talking talking about themselves telling about themselves why they're trying to sell how good they are to the person on their date with and so they will leave the date what a brilliant night she was a very strong communicator meaning she was a really good listener but that man knows absolutely nothing about the person that he's been on the date with and so i would say the number one advice i would give any male client zip keep your mouth shut other than when you're asking the questions. I want you to show an interest in your date. It's one of the top complaints that we get from female clients. He didn't ask me any questions. He doesn't know a thing about me. And uh, so therefore I'm surprised that he wants to see me again. And it's not, you know, women often think, oh, it's because they're arrogant or because they're so full. It's not. It's about men who want to impress the person they're with. They want to entertain the person they're with and they want to get a second date. They're just going about it all the wrong way. So do you recommend that women be a little bit more forgiving then and knowing if a guy just talks nonstop on a date, he A, might be nervous and B, is just trying to impress her. So should she kind of overlook that and then she should be the one making statements so then he can comment on it. So she should be the one also sharing information and, you know, pretend like he asked her questions and she's just answering them out loud. Like, what do you suggest? I am not telling women to be more forgiving of men. I'm telling men and women to be more forgiving of one another. And that comes down to what I'm telling my clients all the time. You have got to give people a chance give people an opportunity and be open to the type of person who might be right for you. And this idea of judgment, a lot of it, I'm sure we talked about it last time, comes from the apps, uh, swipe, um, don't like the fact they've got a short skirt on, I like a longer skirt. Swipe, I like hair down, not hair up. Swipe, they've got flat shoes, I like heels. This sense of we're gonna keep going through in this algorithm until perfect arrives. And when perfect arrives, that's the one I'm going to pick. It's like going into a department store to pick a cushion. 
too green, too purple, too many tassels, not, ah, this stripy cushion, this is the one that I'm gonna take home. Dating is not like going to a department store. You're not going in to pick your item at the price you want, stick it under your arm and go home now you've made that decision. And the problem is because we have this false belief that there's an endless supply. I mean, there, there is an endless supply, but do they want you? Do you want them? Are, they, are, you, are, you, are your values aligned? Are the places that you're going in your life where they're going in their life? I'm not sure. I don't know. And when you have this sense of, uh, this never ending list of potential people that you can date, you're never going to pick. Have you ever been into like a, you know, a sweetie shop, like an old fashioned one? And you're like, oh, I can't wait to pick. And you're, you know, you've got this huge selection of all of these sweeties in their jars behind the wooden counter. And you stand there and go, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, I have exited a sweetie shop before because I simply couldn't decide which one I wanted to go for. I think nowadays I'm more like to pick four or five or six of them than just one. So I'd, I'd make sure I always left with something, but I have been in that situation and that's what's happening. Men and women are finding themselves in a false sweetie shop. It's not really a sweetie shop. It's a pretend one. And they are simply going through this list, imagining perfection and not picking someone who actually might be really wonderful for them. So it's about giving people a chance, not just saying that to the women, not just saying that to the men, I'm saying that to both. Give people an opportunity to shine, put the judgment out the door, stop worrying about what people are wearing and focus on whether that person seems like a good person. We all know the stats. When most women get cancer, what happens to them? They often tell them at the hospital, you might have heard this as well. Uh, they, they often tell them at the hospital when they diagnose them, particularly in America, chances are that your partner is going to leave you because the stats show that's what happens. Why? Because uh, you've presented yourself probably in dating or relationship as someone who uh, is a strong partner or someone who is uh, taking care of their partner or looking after their partner. And when the roles reverse, some men, if you've not perhaps pick the right one, the right one for you, the right person that's going to look after you and take care of you and do the uh, in sickness and in health of you, will choose to leave you. And so if you've picked someone on the basis of surface, oh, but he makes me feel small. Oh, but he earns this much money. Oh, but, you know, it's so much nicer to cry in the back of a Rolls Royce than on the back of a bicycle. If you've led with things that are not going to enrich your life and theirs um things can go wrong by the way i am not blaming for a second women who get cancer uh and their partners leaving them i need to make that really clear this is a problem with the men out there and uh, i am not also saying uh, that i'm against men but we know the facts are there the science is there that men do often leave their partners my mom had cancer and my father stayed at her side yeah. and that is what we're looking for from our partners. And I want women and men to stop, uh, when they're searching for the right person, stop ignoring the red flags that were there from the very beginning and stand by women. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, you know, for the listeners out there who are maybe on their second or third date with a guy and thinking about not seeing him anymore, it's like, well, why not? I mean, you're just going to spend maybe another two, three, four hours with this guy over the next two or three more dates. Like, why wouldn't you want to be sure that he's going to be 
a bad husband or bad bad father to your kids as opposed to just just giving him a chance right you just never know so um yeah for those judgmental skeptical daters out there hopefully that um listening to this will have give you an aha moment to really explore your relationship with someone to really find out so well Julian thank you so much for your time today I know this is a quick episode but um tell us how we would be able to find you if someone wants to uh, look for you and get help dating in the UK so I would love to be able to help people in the UK. My website is drawingdownthemoon.co.uk. That's for the team of matchmakers at DDM who have been helping clients for over four decades. You can also go to gillianmccallum.com, my full name.com. I'm sure the link will be down there. And that is where you'll see a number of my other brands, all designed to help change people's lives for the better forever. And what is one parting dating tip you want to give listeners before I let you go? Give people a chance. Well said. Okay, well, thank you guys. And if you're looking to be part of my database, ladies, I'm always seeking great Asian women. So please go to twoasianmatchmakers.com. Find me, be a part of my database, my Rolodex of amazing women and men. If you're looking for a matchmaker and you're looking to hire a matchmaker to help you find a lovely Asian woman, I would love to speak with you. So go to twoasianmatchmakers.com. Bye everybody.